0: Namo tasa bhagavato arrahato Sama sambudhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arrahato Sam sambudhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arrahato samma sambudhasa. Bodhang tamang sankhang namatsami. In the first talk of this uh, wasa, this range retreat I talked about uh, the setting of the, the goals for uh, practicing uh, the meditation on the breath and they uh, introduced the uh, the four eighty-paddas as one of the important uh, tools important things to use as you're developing uh, the path you're developing the meditation on the breath, you're developing uh, samadhi. And uh, hopefully that you've been keeping in mind those four idipadas and uh, keeping them in line with the uh, methodical process of meditating on the breath as a way of letting the coarser aspects of reality subside into nothingness in order to get this beautiful peace of mind called samadhi it's a oneness of mind Uh, Again, in the beginning part of this retreat I will concentrate a lot on just skillful means uh, in order to develop samadhi Uh, because at the beginning of the retreat this is really what everyone should be focusing on developing the mind in peaceful calm states aiming for jhana, gaining jhana, developing these states. But in particular, this evening I wanted to talk about one of the other uh, supporting teachings which assist one developing jhanas in particular and uh, the path generally, which is the five indriyas, the five powers, controlling faculties, whatever you call them. And it's interesting for those of you who don't know much Pali to understand that the indryas, uh come from uh, the same root as Indra, as a, a person who controls, has power. And so these are the things which by like, control or have power over something, in particular they have uh, power over the mind in order to... Uh, power it, as it were, along the path, along the Eightfold Path. They give it the oomph in which to uh, walk quickly along the Eightfold Path. Uh, There is that sutta which many of you know about the, uh, the person whose practice is swift and the practice who is slow. And the difference in the swiftness or the slowness of one's practice in gaining these factors of enlightenment. This really depends upon the strength of these indriyas these uh, five powers or five controlling faculties and if these five controlling faculties are weak it means the path is slow if they're strong, it's swift so these are things which assist the practice of the path but in particular this evening I wanted to show how these things can be used in the that particular part of the path called like developing the mind in. Samadhi states, and how these five controlling faculties, like uh, Sadaa, faith, wiriya uh, energy, Sati, mindfulness, you know, Samadhi, sustained attention, and Panya, wisdom, how that you should uh, focus on these things in order to overcome the obstacles for deep meditation, in order to really develop the mind and realize the path and the fruits and that's going to be the subject of uh, this evening's uh, discourse. Uh, we begin with uh, something like sada, with uh, faith or confidence and as far as the, the general part is concerned, that confidence, that faith is, is about confidence and faith in the Buddha and the fact there is such a thing called enlightenment and the Buddha actually knew what he was talking about and the Buddha would explain things really clearly and really well and really one's first faith should be with the Buddha rather than any other monk or teacher or teachings. So one should pay great attention to what the Buddha said and how he said it and why he said it in this way. Because that's a, a measure of one's uh, faith, one's confidence in the Buddha's teachings, And if uh, what the Buddha said uh, says one thing, what some teacher says says another thing you should always prefer what the Buddha said having considered these things clearly and carefully a measure of the faith but also, if one has strong confidence and faith in the Buddha then one obviously takes his advice and his teachings seriously and one would practice those teachings it's a measure of the confidence and faith in the, the Buddha in what he says in his enlightenment and his experiences the measure of that faith is the amount of energy you put into your practice if one is a very lax practitioner one spends a lot of time sleeping or messing around it really means that you still really haven't got strong faith in what the Buddha said you did have strong faith and you'd do what he said you'd follow the teaching it's because sometimes we prefer our own teachings or prefer the teachings of Mara so that we don't follow the Buddha's teachings so like faith and confidence in the Buddha's, te- Buddha's teachings is something which really starts to prepare us along the path but in particular in the practice of meditation the Buddha praised again and again like meditation on the breath and the confidence in what the Buddha said about the breath meditation should be enough for you to know how important this is and how seriously you should undertake this development of the breath or rather development of the attention on the breath and in particular to develop this breath as far as like jhanas because again the Buddha said again and again that these jhanas by way they should be developed So if one really has faith and confidence in the Buddha then one would follow that advice and develop to do what it takes to develop these things It's all part of having confidence If one has faith and confidence in what the Buddha said one would look into the his teachings and find out how he taught to develop things like jhanas which is an important part of the Eightfold Path and you start to uh, See just the things which are necessary. Now, when you have that, like, the faith that this is important, then you'll give it the chanda, you'll give it the the, chanda, it the, uh, the necessary uh, amount of will, intention, inclination. Because those people who think that these things are unnecessary, or believe through other teachings or teachers, because their faith will not be complete. The their faith will be weakened by doubt or through other opinions and they will never give it that uh, degree of uh, energy and commitment which is necessary to achieve these things. These things aren't easy to achieve and the main difficulty is the lack of commitment to them. Uh, if one has full commitment to these things then you know, the major obstacle is uh, taken away, it's just a matter of time. But of course, if one doubts whether they're really necessary or not then you're putting the major obstacle in your way. The other aspect of Sadao or faith which is very important to each one of you uh, when we come to the development of these uh, stages is faith in oneself, as it were. The faith in one's own ability as a person who has attained the human birth. The person who is, for most of you, who have attained to uh, wearing the robes of the Buddha who were bhikkhus or samaneras and for those were anagarikas, anagarikas or just visiting this monastery you too have got what it takes you have all of the necessary ingredients to be able to attain these things I have yet to find one place in the sutras, the word of the Buddha where he said that the particular person hadn't got what it takes to attain jhāna that it was impossible for them to attain It seems that everybody, whether it was someone like Anguri Mala who was a serial killer or Patanjali uh, Patachara, sorry, Patachara, who was uh, completely mad that each one of these eventually managed to attain these great states so there's no serial killers here there's none of that I know about and there's uh, no one who's crazy and mad to the degree of Hattachari who lost all of her relations, her children, her husband on the same day and when roamed around stark naked no one is that crazy so you can know that you have the ability you can do it it does happen and I've seen many months come and go who believe for one reason or another that they hadn't the ability to gain a jhana or to develop the mind to achieve the powers and fruits. There was something inside of them which said, no, that other people may be, but not me. This actually is a lack of sadha in their own abilities. You can remember that when the Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree, before he actually gained his uh, Sambodhi, his full enlightenment. It was Mara came up and tried to shake his confidence, his faith in his ability by asking like, who are you to sit under this uh, Bodhi tree? And the Buddha had to put his hand on the earth and get the earth to bear witness that he was worthy of sitting under that Bodhi tree and becoming enlightened Each one of you is worthy of uh, sitting in this monastery, developing the mind and gaining full enlightenment. So it's each one of you has the ability and once you develop that confidence in your own ability again it's just a matter of time before it actually happens that these things occur. But there's another aspect of and faith which I haven't talked much about before these other things you may have heard me speak about before it is actually the confidence, the faith in the object which you are paying attention to as you develop deep meditation. Because uh, the aspect of, of faith or confidence, if you've got faith or confidence in a person, you like to be near them and you feel at peace in their presence. In the time when I was a young monk, I couldn't really understand it at first. The first uh, few months I was in Wat Phong with Ajahn Chah. Before what Banana Chart was founded, you know, we'd do the evening chanting, which would last maybe an hour, just uh, doing chants and then in Pali and then translating them in Thai. I couldn't understand either language, and then there was maybe a talk afterwards and then maybe a sit of meditation for half an hour. we got to about 9:30 <coughs> or 10 o'clock, and I was ready for bed because we had to get up 3 o'clock in the morning. But then. Ajahn would say, let's go and see Ajahn Chah and so he'd just go and sit under his hut for another couple of hours again, just listening to things which I couldn't understand and I wonder, what were people, why were people doing this? I'd rather sort of uh, be close to my pillow rather than Ajahn Chah at that time of night and I was, uh, again, I was uh, at least wise enough to try and reflect and try and find out what was the attraction here, people had confidence and faith in this this monk, this great teacher so much so they just liked being with him hanging out with him, if you like being close and they felt great joy of just being around the fellow and that's actually one of the qualities of confidence and faith in something that you like to stay around it there's something which is very close to the word uh, "sada" in its meaning and that's uh, Sampasada the, uh, very often it's used in Pali just to be like uh, confidence almost like pleasure uh, joy around these, these things and this is a very important aspect of, uh, of faith or confidence is Sampasada because once you feel like uh, confidence Uh, a sense of being at ease with things like the the breath and eventually the, the nimitta then you understand some of the causes for gaining stability in the mind for gaining samadhi if you have doubts say about Ajahn Chah then you may go there listen to a few things and then you leave again afterwards if you have faith and confidence you stay a long time in that place, in that monastery in that teaching so, you can see that some uh, confidence or faith has a lot to do with the stillness, with staying put. So, as we start to develop our meditation in these stages, which I taught last week, of like uh, the awareness, the attention to each breath, the continuous attention on the breath, and then the, the full continuous attention on the breath, the second stage and then calming down the breath and uh, eventually uh, rousing the Samadhi nimita. and each of these stages we should remember the quality of sadha or faith towards that endeavor the faith towards that object the sense of like confidence feeling at ease with the breath as if it is like an old friend one feels comfortable with so one gets this uh, confidence that this is okay that this is going to lead somewhere that this is useful that this is valuable however if one instead of having confidence in the breath one has confidence and faith in thinking in working everything out then you'll find the mind will wander off into thoughts, fantasies, into evaluations it's all because the sadar is there but it's in the wrong things. So it's good to have like confidence in the method and confidence in the meditation object. Sometimes this might sound strange at first on something like the breath. but When it comes to the very beautiful breath and eventually the samadhi nimitta this quality of uh, sampasada becomes very important because eventually you start to go to areas where you've never been before Experiences which are strange, and fear is one of the obstacles which come up comes up what's happening as I've mentioned before that it's the fear of like uh, letting go of the self or letting go of the illusion of the self. the self is comfortable in the known where it's always lived before, however, when it gets to things which it's not quite sure of, especially when it thinks it can't really control and keep uh, power over these things when it has to let go, whether these, when these things are greater than the sense of self-doing control that's when fear arises and this is where it's important to develop this this, this faith this uh, faith in the Buddha's teachings that uh, jhanas are okay they don't need to be feared Nappayitabhan, the Buddha kept on saying with uh, deep samadhi with Jhana. there shouldn't be fear which is okay to say that, but how, can't we, how can we overcome the fear which can often block entry, entering these stages? You overcome that fear through many causes but one of the causes is through sampasadhanam, through that confidence confidence in the beautiful breath first of all this is alright, it's a beautiful place to be it's alright to be here, it's a place where there's no need to feel fear where you can actually hang out there you can rest in there one of the things which made faith in Ajahn Chah so easy is very soon you understood at a, a deep level through the power of his metta loving kindness that he would never do anything to harm or hurt you even though that superficially he could sort of say something which embarrassed you or he could make life very difficult for you You always had the feeling that he was doing it in your best interests; that it was going to be valuable for you, useful for you, beneficial for you and that's one of the reasons why you had confidence and faith in him, why you didn't leave why you stuck around even when it was difficult in the same way that if the breath is difficult even if it's giving you a little bit of a hard time if you have that confidence and faith in this thing you'll stick around you realize that this thing is in your best interest that when the beautiful breath comes up it's in your best interest to stick around this thing And so the the confidence in this abiding makes it appear to be safe abiding and abiding where there's no need for fear, where fear can't come up. And when the Samadhi Nimita appears, that's where, like, confidence is also very important. Now, that confidence that this thing which first comes up as a mental image is just too easy to have doubt about this. Now, is this the Samadhi Nimita, or is it just my imagination? Or is it someone fri- shining a flashlight in my face? Or what actually is it? And this is where like confidence is very important because so often if a doubt comes up, this can't be it then the whole thing just uh, breaks apart and disappears. You have confidence and belief in these things. Skillful meditators can just imagine the Samadhi Nimitta and as soon as they imagine, once they know what it is, what they're supposed to imagine through experience, they can imagine the Samadhi Nimitta and the imagination becomes a real Samadhi Nimitta this that, uh, excuse me, someone told me some time ago in, in town there was one person, a lay person, teaching other people to meditate on the breath and people had, lay people it is, people had much experience of breath meditation they found it difficult to meditate on the breath and so this teacher used a very skillful technique he said, just imagine you can watch the breath you don't really need to do it, just imagine you can and so they found it very easy to imagine that they are watching the breath and then they said, what's the difference between imagining you are watching the breath and watching the breath and they found there was no difference it's just the trick of uh, psychology Because imagination is just uh, an image in the mind and this is actually what you are supposed to be developing anyway imagine you can get somebody in the trap and then you are ninety percent there And if you can have confidence in that image then it will stay there. I think one of the difficulties with anyone who tries any type of visualisation especially is they haven't got any confidence in what they visualise and it's got too much doubting in their mind which is why the whole thing just breaks apart. If you can have confidence in that now you know, the, the faith in it, sadhar in it and you find it will stay and it will develop so when these things start to appear it's good to develop the of the like confidence in what's going on like faith in what's going on, the trust in what's going on, valuing what's going on all these qualities of faith and then eventually the mind will feel at ease with the beautiful breath It will feel at ease with the Samadhi Nimitta but it feels at ease with these things it doesn't destroy it you destroy the Samadhi Nimitta when it appears you throw it away, you move away from it because of your lack of confidence in it it's one of the reasons why I try and encourage just any type of experience of jhana even for a few seconds, a few moments just so people get to understand what it feels like even for a short moment because once you do that that does a great deal for your confidence, one in your ability, and two in the fact that this is a beautiful abiding and very safe and very worthwhile. There's nothing to be feared. So that's why that uh, one should try and develop the confidence and faith uh, in something like a Samadhi Nimitta Eventually, even in the first Jhana, that I just elaborating on this quality of samprasada, or Sampasada rather that uh, this quality of Sampasada even in the first jhana that is not full yet the sense of, of confidence and faith in the, the piti sukha which becomes a nimitta the mental nimitta and that's why that this Witaka vichara going on just that not from you, not from a person certainly not thought but just the mind, just moving on to the object grasping it a little bit too hard which is why it just moves away again it hasn't got the confidence just to rest on the object, the nimitta and attain to the second jhana it always, the mind is always doing it it doesn't realize, it just needs to let go have faith, have confidence that things will just go by themselves in a natural process the samadhi nimita, the piti sukha is just so beautiful, so attractive. The attention will stay there by itself. It doesn't need to be so coarse as to have this vitaka vichara trying to hold on to a samadhi And So once you have that confidence, that's what makes vitaka vichara, the first jhana, just disappear. because the mind is with. With the, the nimita, with the piti sukha. it's why that, that word samprasada comes up in the second jhana. A jatang samprasadanang the standard description of the second jhana. It's a full confidence inside, in the mind, in the piti sukha of the mind. It's only then can you really get samadhi. The full samadhi which first appears of the second jhana True one-pointedness True stillness True release of this activity of mind That which does ceases at that point And you just got the experience of consciousness very clear and bright For so this means the sampasadana It's all part of sadar, confidence and faith That's why it's a power, because it's just so powerful, so important in order for you to gain these stages. Very often you see that uh, great teachers arise from time to time, or at least they arise with great reputations. Some of them turn out to be shooting stars, who just uh, last for a short while and then decline. Some just last for a long time, true great teachers. and Because of people's confidence in them. It's amazing just how they develop their mind whether it's people like Pao Oksayador in Burma or even Amitokawesi when he was teaching in Sri Lanka and any other great teachers that sometimes these people, because of your faith and confidence in them you would just go so much further So This is why that uh, Sadar is an indriya so just to sum up on that particular indriya, that particular controlling faculty, you know, just generally, that uh, develop your sadha, your faith in the Buddha's teachings and follow them very carefully, they're beautiful. No one has ever expressed the Dharma as beautifully as the Buddha and no one will ever manage to match the Buddha in the way he expressed those teachings. And have that like, confidence in the path, confidence, confidence enough to follow it methodically, carefully, not going off on side tracks. And have confidence in your own ability, and also have confidence in the breath, especially the beautiful breath, and confidence in the samadhi Nimitta. What you're having confidence in is confidence in letting go, confidence in a partial cessation and confidence that this is the path this is practicing the path but that's only the first of the uh, Indriyas which is important and especially I like to just emphasize their importance in developing deep meditation there's always the, the Viryo as well so the energy sometimes that uh, one of the monks here I'm grateful for pointing out something which i had been taught and just took for granted that sometimes people say that these uh, five Indriyas should be balanced with one another but actually when you understand what these uh, Indriyas truly are that's not the right way of putting it, balancing them that actually comes from the Visuddhimagga, from the commentary nothing about that at all really in the Sintas Sada, you don't need that It's not a question of having too much sadha. You can't have too much faith and confidence. You can only have it in the wrong things. The quality itself, you can just build it up as much as you like. The more the better. There can't be too much confidence and faith in the Buddhist teaching. Confidence in one's own abilities. Confidence in the, the limiters. There can't be too much of that. And so with energy, if one really understands what energy is, there can't be too much of it because actually the way they express Wirya uh, in terms of the five Indriyas I was just checking this just before I came in here it is just the, the four right efforts that's what the, in terms of the Indriyas what wiriya is you know, the four right efforts is to grab hold of the mind strive, initiate energy, develop um, striving in four areas, the four areas are to abandon unwholesome states of mind which have arisen and to prevent unwholesome states from arising in the first part in the first place those are the first two of the four right efforts to arouse, develop wholesome states of mind and once those wholesome states are there, to make them grow, to keep them there for a long time that's the four right efforts which is what the weirya, indriya is all about. So you can't do that too much, in fact it's because of doing it too little that people don't develop the mind and don't attain what needs to be attained. Or sometimes because they think they should just sit there and do nothing. Now being mindful is not enough, when you're mindful there's a consequence to that, there's a responsibility of being mindful. Once you're mindful and you know an unwholesome state of mind coming up, you should do something about it. Even when there's not an unwholesome state there, you should sort of prevent them arising and also develop good states. This is like what the wirya is all about. That's why that uh, a lot of wirya is developed through the four idipadas, through having an aspiration and through having some knowledge samadhiti, Lokya samadhiti, which is knowing the difference between wholesome states and unwholesome states of mind. This is an important aspect of of the indriyas, to develop energy in the sense of the four right efforts, and to keep those four right efforts uh, in mind. If it's ever an unwholesome state of mind, whether it's lust or whether it's anger, it's always doing something about it not just leaving it there not leaving it there to grow and fester and become a great sickness of the mind so the energy is all about developing four right efforts and you can't do that enough so there's no question of like balancing in the sense of a balance when one thing is too heavy you have to, to throw a bit away to make it even with what's on the other side of the scales. It's always building up each one of these things as much as you can. So when there's weary, you develop as much uh forward efforts as you possibly can, whether it's sleepiness, sloth and torpor. Find ways of abandoning those unwholesome states of mind, whether it's lust. Find ways of un- abandoning those unwholesome states of mind whether it's anger, ill will find ways of abandoning those unwholesome states of mind it does take mindfulness because one of the best ways of abandoning these things unwholesome states of mind is to see them as soon as they come up have mindfulness so sharp as soon as they come up you can throw them away it's why in like meditation in the last uh, nine day meditation retreat I gave I gave like a simile of, of mindfulness of mindfulness especially towards the uh, obstacle towards meditation I just gave a simile of like again the first years I was in Thailand in the monastery there were many snakes scorpions, centipedes and these things would bite at least the scorpions and centipedes would you had to be very careful of these things because you knew how dangerous they were after the evening meeting when you walked back and sometimes you walked back without any sandals you walked barefoot and the flashlights you had they were always uh, low on batteries sometimes you didn't have any batteries sometimes Ajahn Chah would give you batteries and say that's all you get for three months so you really had to make sure they lasted so, But because you knew there were all these things out there which would cause you great pain you were really alert as you walked back for snakes for not so much for scorpions and centipedes they didn't really sort of come out so much at night they were actually in your hut. you had to be careful of them, not in the path Also the black ants, those who have been tied on the mott always very aware of those I remember stepping them once and my flashlight went right up in the air because I jumped I was in a terrible situation because it was pitch black there was these uh in all over the place biting ants. and they stung and I didn't know where my flashlight was <laughs> those people who have been in Thailand appreciate those experiences happens very often anyhow but because that these things were dangerous you were always alert for them and you'd always see them before you stepped on them or you'd always be able to walk around them because you knew they were there and you were alert to the danger in the same way like the mindfulness which can become a a controlling faculty in one's meditation it's like setting yourself up when you begin what are my obstacles to meditation? what is my my snakes, my scorpions, my centipedes? What should I be really alert to so I don't waste my time, waste my opportunity? Is it sloth and torpor, which is my greatest enemy? Is it restlessness and thinking? Or is it lust or whatever? Once you know what your snake is, then as soon as you start meditating, just psych yourself up to be aware of this thing. To watch out for it. Just when it first pops its head out of the side of the path. You've got to see it then Once you've stepped on the snake It's too late Once it's bit you And snakes move very fast One of the monks in Thailand Walked down from his hut And he saw a snake At the bottom of his stairs He'd always just walked past He didn't see its head move And bite him Certainly afterwards He just looked at his, his ankle And saw the puncture marks It was that fast faster than he could see. That's how danger, dangerous snakes are. Very fast. But defilements are even faster. They have to be really alert for these things. They can just creep up on you and catch you. That's the sort of mindfulness you need in meditation. And it's not that hard to develop. If you know this many of like snakes, scorpions and centipedes and you begin your meditation by saying I'm going to walk on a dangerous path what are my obstacles? and once you psych yourself up that way the first time that say sloth and torpor starts to rear its head you see it and you say no and you go in a different direction that's the, the great way of overcoming sloth and torpor in one's meditation by one knowing it's a danger Setting the mindfulness up, to which remembers this is the one I've got to look out for in my meditation and then you catch it early and then you can use wearier in terms of four right efforts to abandon that state of mind walk in a different direction don't get lost salt and torphe is like the python, it just strangles you once it's got around your leg, you just can't do anything about it, it's squeezing you, squashes squashed you, you're in trouble It's much easier to avoid, sort of allowing it to get close And That's one of the great things with mindfulness in the beginning stages of one's meditation It makes you avoid just your old obstacle Once you avoid the the coarser obstacles, you can know how to avoid the more fine obstacles by setting up mindfulness Remember that half of mindfulness is memory remembering what you're supposed to be doing, what your obstacles are like learning from past mistakes in much meditation so we can make great progress It's why that I teach in town, at the end of every meditation you should just spend a few moments just assessing where you've got to and why you've got there what's happened in the half hour, hour, hour and a half, two hours you have be meditating and why now as you sit there, at the end of your meditation assessing sort of what's happened and where you are it's just reflective knowledge touch awake the jana. just reflecting back on what's happened and you bear that in mind for the next time so that which caused good states of mind you know what those causes are those causes which gave rise to unwholesome states of mind which wasted your time you know what those are and by knowing this you can take that into your next meditation especially by just reminding yourself at the beginning of, oh, I have got lost in this particular area time and time again for this meditation, this is my snake I'm going to really avoid that particular obstacle and you find if you set yourself up at the beginning of the meditation through the knowledge you've gained in past meditation it's not that hard to avoid these things as soon as they come up you can squash them straight away you can jump over them, you can avoid them, whatever it takes you don't get caught in the traps that's the sati the mindfulness, the memory sort of indriya which can really help the uh, development of deep meditation the other half of the sati is of, of uh, like mindfulness there has to be attention which is completely centered in the present moment that's the only way that you can develop uh, attention on the beautiful breath and maintain it there it's the only way you can develop the, the full attention on the samadhi nimitta and enter into a jhana all the perceptions of past and future have to be overcome have to be abandoned remember that perception of past and future can be very subtle even as much as, what should I do next straight away you're off in the future or just, what was that? just in the past each one of those things you know, what was that? you should not do that until the very end of your meditation especially when you start getting Samadhi limiters coming up don't try and assess them with what was that? Sometimes we call it what is that but the truth of the matter is, is what was that? (laughs) Because thought, assessment happens just after the experience has been, been sensed and that's just going to the past again that's where the meditation breaks apart the sati, the mindfulness has to be so firmly established in the present moment that thoughts can't come up Assessments are just put on hold until later on To the point that when you enter a jhana, at that time you just can't assess it Because you're so focused in the present moment, there's just no room to make sense of it, to assess it You've just got pure data coming in with no evaluation possible mindfulness should be that focused on the the present moment the other problem which sometimes comes up with the Samadhi Nimitta what should I do now? the point being that you've already done the right things you're doing the right things because the Samadhi Nimitta is there, leave it alone stop interfering very often you'll find that Meditation will go so far and will break down, will shatter because of what should I do next type of intentions. Be careful of that one. That's the mindfulness, not being centered in the present moment. And of course, the Samadhi Indriya is one of the most beautiful of the Indriyas. It generally means just attaining the four jhanas. But in particular, in one of these suttas which I really like and I've mentioned before, they said like the definition of the samadhi indriya, I think it's in the Anguttara somewhere, it must be the Anguttara fives. The definition was in the Sangutta. I think it might be actually in the Sangutta. But anyway, uh, the samadhi indriya and defining it you were saying that it's uh, a lot to do with developing the ramana, the aramana the, like, the mood, inclination of mind if you like state of mind of like abandoning giving up, giving up and samadhi is all about letting go that's sometimes why I keep on saying that jhanas are just stages of letting go and it's interesting just to to see the development of the samadhi india being brought about through just uh, developing a mind which is willing just to give away, let go, vosagga. <coughs> vosagga, abandoning. Because to develop like samadhi, you have to abandon just so much. The development of the samadhi india means it, You just sit in your room, you abandon all of your concerns you abandon all of your body you abandon all of your thoughts all of these disturbances, these weights on the mind just throw away as much as you can throw away, throw away, throw away the more you throw away, the more the mind is pure because all of these things are just defilements which you've collected over the years And so once you understand that the way into deep samadhi is a way of letting go, a way of abandoning, then it becomes a very easy path. Not a sense of like holding on to something, but a sense of letting go of everything else. So when you develop the meditation on the breath, it's a lot of letting go of every other concern. All I need to do is just to watch the breath. develop the letting go of everything else until all you've got left is the breath that second stage I keep talking about the full continuous awareness of the breath you watch it from the very beginning of the in-breath to the end of the in-breath the very beginning of the next out-breath to the end of the next out-breath breath after breath after breath having developed that just through letting go of everything else in the whole world you've got no other responsibilities just to watch the breath no responsibilities for your body for scratching it, for getting rid of the pain or the discomfort or whatever that's all gone because you've abandoned all of that no responsibility for your family for your uh, other duties in the monastery you've abandoned all of that this is the skill of abandoning so you've just got the breath left but of course the abandoning doesn't stop there you just abandon the course breath so you've just got the beautiful breath then you abandon the beautiful breath so you've just got the Samadhi nimitta. then you even abandon the Samadhi nimitta. you abandon everything you enter into jhanas all of these things, just give up, give away as much as you can and that's how you develop the Samadhi Indriya but in particular the reason why it's called an Indriya is because it has a function of just keeping the mind still of sustaining attention and this is like the tool which is just so important in understanding the Dhamma, to be able to keep the attention still on the object of contemplation. You mentioned so often that because that life is like sitting in a bus, just watching all these images pass by, it's just so quickly that we never actually get to understand anything very much. Just, you know, if you are in a bus, like people go on these tours of Europe ten countries in five days you just go so fast you never really get to know any country or any landscape even if you walk you're still going too fast even if you sit down and watch you're still going too fast even if you think you're still going too fast you've got to slow down that much you can sustain your attention just on one mental object for many hours that's when you start to understand the mind otherwise the mind just splashes past You never really can make head nor tail of it what it is once you have samadhi you understand the stillness of the mind how it can take one object without the object changing even an iota for a long, long time you understand the cause of this is the bliss, the joy of it, the peace of it it is the cause for sustaining attention. You know, it's sukha, not the core sukha, but just the inner sukha, the inner happiness, which is the, the foundation of samadhi, the ability to sustain attention. So once you know that, you understand just how the mind can sustain its attention on something you know, the perception of the beautiful on the breath eventually the perception of the beautiful or whatever object you take up for contemplation. Enough so that you can remain with it long enough to find its true nature. But it's hard to do this, you have to develop the mind, that's why Samadhi is the last factor of the Eightfold Path. In the Anguttara Nikaya, they add an extra couple of factors on. after. Uh, sama samadhi is Samanyana, if I remember it correctly. Like right, right wisdom. Mata Samanyana, Samawimuti, the right release. It's all following after one another. You have to develop that ability to sustain attention on something, really sustain it, to be absolutely still while you're watching. Suspending judgment, but just taking in the data. No evaluation yet. If you're evaluating, you're missing watching. And this becomes like the Samadindriya, the beautiful power of the mind. And the last of the Indriyas is, is Panya, wisdom, which is basically like knowing things like Four Noble Truths, Dependent Origination, Three Characteristics. You now, the nature of the candas know the nature of your body and mind, the senses is to know them as they truly are not as you've been taught that they are not as you hope and wish that they are but to know them as they are which is beyond your likes and dislikes beyond your preconceptions beyond your theories it's a very hard thing to develop hanya. you do it to all these other things I should have just mentioned that sometimes that people say that samadhi and wiriya should be balanced together and that's not really true just develop samadhi as much as you like keep on developing wiriya as much as you like sati as much as you like bring them all up as much as you like if one is very, very strong, you make that stronger you bring all the other ones up with it you develop a lot of samadhi sati and viriya and sadha, they'll all come along in its wake because all these things are just so connected if you develop very deep samadhi, gain jhanas then you have to have extremely strong sati after you emerge from a jhana as far as your sadha, confidence in the Buddha is concerned and confidence in the teacher as well it's common for anyone who sort of gets even a whiff the Vajana—they have this beautiful, like, confidence in whoever taught them how to meditate, and great joy and happiness, and just wanting to do something for them. That's just the nature of it. It's one of the—remember, one of the first teachers who taught me about meditation. And to this day, he was only a lay person. If I met him now, I just want to bow to him or do something, give him something, wash his trousers because he hasn't got a robe. <sighs> something. Because uh, you know the debt of gratitude you have to. When anyone is sort of gave you something that is beautiful gift. And so all of these uh, faculties they bring one another up. And same with Panya with wisdom. It's, it's a very powerful indriya, one of the most powerful. Especially as you are developing deep meditation. You know when you are developing the breath, you cannot do this without wisdom. I think it's the Buddha said somewhere that. The breath meditation is for people with wisdom if You've got like weak wisdom, it's very difficult to take it to its limits And the, the reason is because you have to know the different forms of the breath I mean it took years for me to understand that there's a great confusion between the Somali nimitta and the breath And what should I be watching because I am supposed to be doing anapanasati meditation on the breath as soon as the Samadhi Nimitta came up and you're watching that there was no breath and so what was going on here should I go back to the breath or should I carry on with the Samadhi Nimitta and eventually so the wisdom came up hang on what is this Samadhi Nimitta the Samadhi Nimitta is no more than the way the mind sees the breath it is the breath instead of like experiencing the breath through the the uh, the kaya vinyana you know the bodily sense you're seeing it through the mano vinyana through the mind sense it's the same thing being experienced but through a different sense base so actually you, I was still observing the breath and even in jhanas you're actually still observing the breath but just that's such a beautiful refined aspect of the breath you know just a fraction of the breath just its Beauty without the breath being discerned, without the other coarser aspects of the breath being discerned. And this is what was happening, and so it took that that wisdom, which gave me the confidence to follow this samadhi limiter. It was happening naturally anyway, but I wanted to sort of have confidence it was going in the right direction, and I was doing it right. And so that the panna, the wisdom of knowing. <coughs> knowing sort of the, what's happening and knowing the stages, there's only really one way into, into jhana so there's many objects you can use but the, the, way, the way is just uh, finding an object to focus your attention on and it's using one of the external said spaces first of all and just letting go of everything else and just keeping that one thing in mind until all you've got left is just that one thing, whether it's metta, whether it's the earth kasina whether it's the breath, or whatever, until like the physical sense experience disappears and just the mind experience comes up, it's just the nature of the mind experience on just one thing, it's just beautiful, it's the happiness of peace, it's the, the we wake your sukha, the happiness born of of renunciation of the other five senses it's just the nature of of, uh, body-mind to do that as soon as the external five senses disappear and the mind is just there it appears like pure, bright, beautiful, lovely so how actually you get to that stage is just by the way but once actually you know just how this whole thing works then just whatever the object of meditation you know the path how to use it. It's like the wisdom of how to develop the renunciation of the mind and enter into jhanas. So all along the way, as one develops deep meditation, one has to use one's wisdom and develop more wisdom. Even I was saying the uh, difficulties and obstacles of meditation, use your wisdom to know what those are. Especially at the end of the meditation, just to reflect backwards What happened? What occurred? What are the obstacles? Was I successful? Was I not successful in my goal? Why? Learn And as you go along, use that padna. It's a very powerful force Very often in my own meditation, sometimes a, uh, I get a, an obstacle to deep meditation I just use very often more like uh, wisdom rather than willpower. So it's always got confidence that this can be done at any time. Actually, that sometimes I played around, and amazing just how the confidence in one's abilities to enter these states in all sorts of situations just increases. I mentioned last week about getting into deep meditation when I was in hospital with typhus fever. I just gave it a chance. I didn't really have much confidence it could be done, but you could do it. Amazing, just what the mind can do. Really? Even sometimes when you're tired, some of the most unlikely situations, you know, you can actually gain access to these states. It's amazing just what the mind can do. But anyhow, just uh, the wisdom, the panacea, just can grow enormously as a result of these experiences. So the wisdom is a great help, but especially. There's a few things which uh, I always use which is like Anatta sanya just remembering like non-self as you enter um, these deep meditation states there's the, the wisdom of just uh, messing around with these things if I tried Dukkha sanya the uh, perception of uh, suffering then there's no way you can enter a jhana with that perception if that perception is true okay it's more true than the the supasanya or the sukasanya, which is what takes you into jhanas the perception of like uh, joy and happiness but nevertheless that the path requires you to not pay attention to the aspect of dukkha nor pay attention to the aspect of anicca of impermanence in these states you can bring up those perceptions afterwards but to enter into jhana you need to to have the perception of stability, the perception of, of happiness, but also the perception of anatta of non-self, especially the doer. If you can always remember, as you get to these final stages before you enter into jhana, there's not self, there's not a doer in here. So you're willing to let go of this doer, which causes a restlessness that which does, that which is always trying to uh, keep control of all of this if you have the wisdom to develop a little bit of anatasanya, you find the meditation goes so quickly so powerfully, so deeply it's just a process, it's a natural process that's also why I say that you can have confidence, you can do it there's no one in there which can't do it it's a natural process if you just follow the instructions, just like in any manual, just follow the instructions, this is how you assemble it, put it all together, if you follow the instructions that the book says, it usually works. But very rarely you just get a fault in the manufacturer, It usually always works. Because most times it doesn't work because people don't follow the instructions. But that confidence comes up. But also the other bit of wisdom is like making sure that the mindfulness is always in the present moment Those are the two things which sometimes I forget and not to put the attention right in the present moment and uh, to sometimes forget uh, just to leave things alone There's no one in there so stop this illusion of thinking you're in control of all of this and always doing it You don't do meditation, you just observe meditation happening You just observe the mind doing the things It's not to say there's no will happening there's no choice happening but you just realise you're not doing it and so when it's a time for the process to be quiet and for nothing to happen and just to enter into deep dhyanas you're ready to allow that to happen instead of always thinking you have to be calling the shots and pushing the buttons and pulling the levers all the time So the Panya Indriya becomes very strong. The more you understand Anatta, non-self, the easier jhanas become. The easier jhanas become, the more you understand Anatta. As the two go together. The Panya Indriya and the Samadhi Indriya are very close together. So there's not things like balancing these things, but actually supporting one another. And the stronger each one is, the stronger the others become. And the panyindriya, especially, eventually, being so strong that it sort of defeats all the defilements. Eventually, each of these Indriyas becomes so strong they do really become Balas, full powers. And they are full powers, that's the stuff of the arahat. The full power, absolute faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Arya Sangha. Not even a shadow of a doubt, because you've experienced all of these things you know jhanas, you know cessation, you know the Dukkha, the truth, you know Nibbana Nibbana doesn't become a theory which people argue about Nibbana becomes a knowledge Viriya, energy just becomes a natural uh, faculty of the mind because there's nothing obstructing it there's only wholesome dhammas can arise in the mind unwholesome dhammas have been abandoned once and for all There's sati, <coughs> mindfulness is pure and constant fully powerful that samadhi, the four jhanas easily obtained that's the, the bala of samadhi that's where the indriya of samadhi is fulfilled becomes a bala, a great strength. Anyone who you know, Bala like the strength of a strong man. Anyone who has experienced any of these states, just know how strong, like full confidence is. How it empowers you, the energy, how it empowers you, that like, full mindfulness. Not partial mindfulness, but full mindfulness, how powerful it feels. How powerful is Samadhi. And lastly how powerful is his wisdom knowing the ways of the mind and the body knowing fully, continually in every moment Anicca Dukkha Anatta you can know in every moment Anicca Dukkha Anatta then that's an arahat the quality of the enlightened mind the continual knowing of Anicca Dukkha Anatta full wisdom now that's powerful that's immense Powerful because completely eradicated suffering, completely defeated Maras and all his, his armies, completely defeated the round of rebirth. That's the power, the great power of Nibbana. So these are the five hindrances, sorry, sorry, five hindrances, five Indriyas, and uh, how they can be developed, and especially. How you should use those in developing deep meditation. As well as the four Idipadas, look on the five Indriyas, confidence, energy, or the four light efforts, mindfulness, sustained attention and wisdom like means to help you develop deep meditation. So that's the talk for this evening. Has anyone got any um, questions or comments?